You wanna hear a good joke? Nobody speak, nobody get choked. Sports fans, it is Friday here on 89.1 KHOL, and Teton Sports Talk is here to bring you a little bit closer to your weekend. I'm your host, Massey Zeman, World Series champ, Graham Trainer. He remembered. He's gotten older. He's on the wrong side of 35, but he remembered. Thank you, Massey. Yo, you're welcome. And rejoining us this season is George Oswald, college football aficionado down in my hometown and his hometown, Mobile, Alabama. Howdy, boys. Glad to be here. We have an absolutely packed show. It is championship week in college football. We have matchups, dominoes, who's going to win the Heisman, Heisman moments coming up. We have an absolutely electric last final weekend. Uh, is it the final weekend of the college football season and then it's postseason? Are we in the postseason right now, George? This is postseason. That's an excellent question. I think this is technically postseason. All right, we're in the postseason. week. Championship Ooh, so records, yeah, the records matter. Stats matter for 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 regular season records. Like I saw two. So example, for example, Tua, or sorry, Tua Junior. Tungo Vailoa Junior. Uh, fun <laughs> fact: He's the all-time Big Ten passing leader. Yep. Do you guys know that? Yeah, because he's been college for about eight years. Yeah. Let, let's say if he let's say if Maryland was in the Big Ten championship game and he was two yards away, if he got those two yards, would that break the record or not? Or do we not know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would. Yeah, right? I think those it would. Are so, counted. So, it's, so it's certainly regular season kind of, right? Because it's like postseason's bowls and but bowls and playoffs. <laughs> I don't know. The I think line. I think the you're, line. Yeah, I think you're confusing the NBA pl- uh, in-season tournament versus college football. Because the in-season tournament, the stats don't count or something like that? No. Do they not, really? Yeah, there's some games where the stats just don't count and the games don't exist on the records. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's championship yeah. week. It's like yeah. a nebulous zone. It's not the regular season. It's not postseason quite. But stats don't week. matter. Championship yeah. week. Either way, we have a packed show. We have an absolutely packed show. We're going to get to the huddle, and then we're going to get to the Baker's Dozen. And much like the last previ- couple previous weeks, if you do not hear your all the Baker's Dozen, it's because we've gone into podcast mode. We're going to fill this hour here for KHOL, and then we're going to finish our show. And if you missed any of it, download our podcast wherever podcasts are available that we are Teton sports talk. Like I said, at the top and uh, should we just go right in the huddle or should we just talk iron ball right off the top? Just get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, let's, let's fill our, let's fill our quota, our contract allotment that we have with, with an agreement with KHL. Uh, and let's start off with, yeah, let's start it off with Harbaugh. Is that what you said? Harbaugh? Harbaugh? Or did you say Harbaugh? I said iron, iron ball. ball. Iron, Iron Bowl. Bowl. I think he said Harbaugh. <laughs> I was like, he said Harbaugh's name for the first time, right? But he just said Iron Bowl. So I'll let, I'm going to sit here, <laughs> eat popcorn, drink beer. You guys go for it. Have fun. How how about that, George? Jordan Air Stadium how? is made on top of an Indian burial ground, and weird things happen <laughs> in that stadium. And somewhere along the line, a miracle bounced not Auburn's way. Usually it's a tip pass, go into the end zone. The play has a name. For instance, what is what was that? Miracle on the prairie or something? Uh, uh, the prayer, Jordan Hare. Prayer, Jordan Hare, and then the kick six. There's always something funky going on at Jordan Hare down Dude. there in Auburn. And this time it bounced Alabama's way, and we are – and not we, 
Alabama, excuse me. Alabama is on the winning end of a last second fourth and goal from the 31. Let's let's just break down what you thought about that play, George. Um, I mean, it was incredible. We struggled the whole game. Like they were running out the middle at will. Uh, QB sneaks right up the middle. You know, running for a clip of you know averaging 30 yards per run like that all game long and it was extremely frustrating and we got down to the end and right at the beginning of that play uh i leaned over to my wife and was just like if milrow wants to be famous in the state of alabama for the rest of his life he could do it right now and interestingly we're kind of getting into my huddle stuff but uh I'll will save that for later, but um, yeah, I George, mean, let's, get, let's is... just get loosey goosey and just you know, you know <laughs> tell a messy huddle. Tell a messy huddle. <laughs> I want I want some structure. We need some structure in the huddle, <laughs> but uh, man, that was just a complete prayer. And uh, I love how Saban was like, "Yeah, we practiced that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to practice that." He just threw that out. It's there. a prayer. <laughs> it's a prayer. My favorite part and, uh, was yeah. Auburn rush too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, anybody else, if they had run a different defensive scheme where maybe they had like a match, like as many receivers as we had, plus one, just waiting on like the goal line or the five yard line and picking people up, and literally the other six players all out blitz the quarterback, that game's over. Yeah. Also, that game's over. Rushing to. said they rushed two, like a bunch of nerds, and you know, gave him a solid 10 seconds. It's like impossible for a cornerback to mark a man laterally running across the field behind them for 10 seconds. It's impossible. Yeah. So Georgia won't be letting that happen. No, no. What's also funny is that they rushed to and somehow he was in single coverage. Isaiah Bond was in single coverage. It's like, wait, where are all the other guys? Where are the other defenders if yeah. he's in single coverage? Oh, so good. Isaiah Bond is a badass too. Anyway, I mean, he's he's one of our stars anyway. So that was, you know, fitting that he was the one to perfectly push off the defender and just jump up and grab it. Allegedly, it so easy. Allegedly. Well, dude, off. there was there right. was so yeah. much there was so much they were letting go that game. It was it was great to watch the refs kind of swallow yes, the bristle. And yeah, they're not horribly gonna... refed game. Yeah, and the... horribly refed game. One person that I like to point out who's always in the middle of like scrums and is very violent is Alabama's wide receiver law. I think he is the most underrated like person when it comes like wide receiver, when it comes to toughness, if, if his toughness could like spread to the other wide receivers, they'd actually be a dominant force. He is mean and tough and tries to get away with so much. I love everything about that guy law. Yeah, he's like a bruiser on a hockey team where he's like, you know, when the ref's not looking, he's shoving his stick in your back or something like that. I mean, he's. I yeah. watched him cheap shot he, a guy just on like a, defending his team. Yeah, I watched him cheap shot a guy on a meaningless touchdown. I forgot who it was. They're all going for the celebration. The defender had like was slowly turning back around to jog to the bench and just shoulder them like into the into the scrum that everyone was celebrating. <laughs> I was like, that guy. Who are that you? Guy, I like guy. you. <laughs> all right try. wait is he wait is he uh yeah wait, is he randomly like ty law's nephew or something maybe who knows i don't, I don't know. know you know uh, remember ty law cornerback patriots no not many cheap shots but defensive player so i heard the last name law just thought like how many nfl now that we're old as hell how many nfl players currently are retired have children now in the college football yeah like marvin harrison jr 
Exactly. Yeah. The first time um, I saw him, I was like, I wonder, they have to be related, right? And then, then it struck me. I was like, oh, you're, you're old now. So that could be somebody's kid. Yeah. Y'all are throwing out all these um, famous iron bowls. So I had to look up something. Do you remember the, the cam back? I know yes. that's, a, that's, probably a rot, that's probably a rotten memory. Yeah. Or the kick, the kick in 85. Or That was, um, that the, was uh, an Alabama one, that one. Punt, Bama punt in 72. You guys were there. Um, the, <laughs> the, the fumble in 97. Bow over the top in 82. Yep. And wrong way, bow in 84, where he went the wrong way or something. What did he do here? What did I don't Bo, know. What did Bo it's so do? funny. Alabama, like, has obviously has an historical being an historical great team, but it also has so many lucky miracle plays that have changed the course of that program. For instance, what year What year did Alabama run down and strip the Miami guy who was going for a pick six and return it 80 yards to like the 10 92. to the 92? Yeah. They're, there's just litter. George Teague. Also the, uh, the uh, goal line stand against Penn State in the Sugar Bowl. That was another play. There's just so many plays that I've seen – in watercolor form on the on the on the sides of the dewdrop, you know, which is a local hot that's, dog. That's joint. why I know that George Teague reference. I like had that hanging above my bed growing up when I was a kid. Yeah, so there's it's 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 nuts. It's it's crazy how many plays that Alabama has made that have either have a name or have made famous in Alabama lore. But let's uh best rivalry in the sport. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the huddle, shall we? Let's enough enough Iron Bowl talk. We got to think about the future here. We got to think about the SEC championship going on in Atlanta. Before we do so, let's get to the huddle. The huddle is the good news of the week, the critical number of the week, something you were stuck on, your quote slash question, and your goat of the week trainer. Give me your good news of the week. Yeah, George said uh, Iron Bowl is the best rivalry. He might have forgotten about the Commonwealth Cup. Virginia, yeah. Virginia Tech. Don't yeah, forget about good. that. Pretty Don't good forget about that. Mine is championship. The impact of championship week. Um, there's a lot. It's there's a lot at stake here. Yes. There's like five games that all matter. Yes. I don't know if like I just have a short term memory, but I feel like this is kind of like a unique situation to have all these scenarios that could play out with chaos involved. I know there's obviously like the easy peasy way where it's like Georgia wins. Washington wins, Florida State wins, and um, Michigan. Michigan wins, obviously. But then there's obviously like Alabama upset. There's Texas winning with Alabama winning as well, and Florida State losing to Louisville or Florida State win. I don't know. There's just a lot going on, so it's exciting. Um, my biggest question, the chaos scenario that I think is the most interesting is Michigan winning, Florida State winning, Alabama winning, Oregon winning, Texas winning, Georgia being probably the best team that lost this weekend. That's the ultimate, that's the ultimate chaos scenario. Cause you're going to have to start lining up Alabama's resume against Oregon's resume and Texas's resume. Yeah. And what the committee has done consistently over this course of the season is put Texas ahead of Alabama because they beat them in the head to head and have given Texas the benefit of being on the road as well. So Texas has been locked in front of Alabama all season so I think that's the ultimate chaos scenario. I think the college football committee is going to have to make some serious, serious decisions. If Florida state wins and they're looking at them like, well, what do we do with y'all? Because y'all aren't the same team without, without <clears throat> Jordan Travis. And they're going to have to come out and just blatantly say the games don't matter. Here are the four best teams. Yeah. Then Kirk Herbstreit actually a pretty honest quote 
You know what the average margin of victory has been since 2014 when this thing started? The playoffs have sucked. The average margin of victory has been 19. So as a guy who calls these games, I don't want to do the right thing. Put the effing best four teams in the game. At the end of the day, that's it. I'm guessing he's talking about Florida State, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he is. Yeah. He has, yeah, blatantly talking about Florida State and without using their name. <laughs> yeah, and this year, more than other years, it's harder to define who those best teams are. I mean, maybe it'll be more clear on Sunday, but right now, I mean, I could go on and on about this. The playoff committee has actually done kind of an incredible job because each week they update it. And is it a snapshot in time? Is it a projection? Is it, you know, if the season were to be canceled on that week, that would be the top four? Or, and then also they're, um, you know, are they looking at strength of resume? Are they looking at number of ranked wins against ranked teams? Or, you know, are they going to just sort of make it up on the last day and ignore all the rankings they've been doing? And the way they have it teed up with Georgia at number one and Ohio State was up there and Ohio State drops all the way to sixth. So are they, you know, saying without saying that if Georgia were to lose, they would completely drop out of the top four? Because if that's true, then that's kind of ridiculous because they're the back-to-back champs and they're, you know, provably the best team in the world in the country right now yeah but if they lose do they lose that hard it's doubtful but i don't think they would i don't think they would drop georgia as far as they dropped ohio state but they set that precedent and then also if you look at uh number three washington and number five oregon those are perfectly poised to where regardless of the outcome of uh that team that game this weekend there's going to be a Pac-12 team in the top four. Yeah. They haven't drawn up where that's like an inevitability. And then same with uh, Michigan. Michigan would have to really stub their toe. So, like, Michigan's pretty much guaranteed a way in. And yeah. meanwhile, Florida State is safely at four. But, you know, if they win by a point, that's probably not going to convince them that they're one of the best four teams still without their star quarterback. So they literally have it drawn up perfectly to – the only really tragic chaos scenario that could happen is if Georgia drops like Ohio State did last weekend. I think that would be a disservice to to Georgia for how good they've been over the last two seasons and, and this season because they're, they are 12-0. and 0. I'm looking at the top eight teams right now. Seven of them are active this weekend with Ohio State being the exception. That's Georgia, Michigan, Washington, FSU, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, all out of those eight teams, four of them, is that right? Three of them will be their conference champion. Let me get that right. One, two, three, four, five. Four. Five of them. Five of them could be conference champions. Is that right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, no, I mean, no, four. You were four, right the first four. time. Washington, yeah. Ohio, Oregon. Oh, okay. I did count them twice. So, and I think what's going to happen is that Ohio State will get that penalty. There's very, there's like no chance Ohio State makes it unless absolute utter nonsense happens, right? Like, I think that Ohio State just needs Georgia, Washington, Louisville, and OK State to win, and then they have a possibility of getting in. But it, we have an FSU problem. And I don't know. Yeah. I like the committee yeah. can say you did everything that you were supposed to do. This is what's this is what's fair 
and this is what's right, so to speak. Life's not fair. Sorry, FSU. You're not as good as these other teams. That's why I said safely at number four. It's almost like a consolation spot for this, uh, what do they call it, like the, the penultimate ranking before next week's actual meaningful ranking. They have them safely at number four, meaning that, like, hey, guys, it's up to y'all. You're right on the edge. If y'all can actually make this happen, then, you know, we're all happy for you. But do we think that you can beat Michigan? Absolutely not. Do we think you can beat Oregon? Probably not also. Do we think you can beat Texas? Maybe probably not. So, like, if Florida State fumbles at all or even, you know, if they have two turnovers and win by a point, they're dropping. They're dropping. Also, Florida State has dropped in the rankings in weeks past. They have, they were at number five for a little bit there. And I don't know what the committee did to justify that, but they did say, hey, Florida State, you don't look like a top four team. We're dropping you out. I think they had Ohio State in there in the top four with, with FSU maybe at five and Oregon six and Ohio State at three. If I'd, I don't know if that math adds up, but it's, it was something like that when Michigan and Ohio State faced off. So they – they have done some like tomfoolery and they can, they can point at their past and say, no, well, we've judged teams. We have moved teams back, even despite the fact that they've won, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The biggest chaos thing is uh, Georgia. If Georgia loses, what the hell are they going to do? Are they going to give them the Ohio state treatment and drop them way down? Or Georgia uh, loses also... and Oregon wins. That's two 12 and one teams. Well, you know, if Oregon wins, that means they beat Washington and Washington's going to drop. Washington also 12 and one at that point. So it's like, it's, yeah, it's the, great. The right. Path. But you had the head to head. Yes. Just like Georgia and Alabama. So like, um, yeah, Washington did beat Oregon. Yeah. At, at Washington. And, and really the one who's going to lose the most is Texas. They have almost no chance of moving up significantly. And they're at number seven right now. Which is ridiculous. I, don't I mean, think- yeah, I mean, Florida's, yeah, go ahead. I just don't think there's enough movement for Texas to go to four. Without Florida State it. losing? No, probably not. Florida State has to lose, which is which stinks because the ACC is the dumpiest conference on this thing. Um, I mean, I'd rather watch Ohio State in the playoffs than Florida State right now. I think Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, that's another thing. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna interrupt Massey a second ago, but I guess I'll interrupt you. Sorry, trainer. Um, no, go for it. One last major point on Georgia not making the playoff. That would be a horrible decision as far as TV viewership. Yeah. Which they definitely take into account because this is not a nonprofit. Yeah. So, Somebody's going to be pissed. I mean, is next year the beginning of the 12 team or is it one more year? I forget. Yeah, next year. And this time, this time last year, what? TCU lost to Kansas State. They were undefeated, so they had that one loss. They went in. They beat, they beat Michigan because uh, – um, they heard from somebody that Michigan cheats, so they decided to do the opposite of what that Michigan was uh, game planning for. They won that game. Florida State could be mm-hmm. that TCU. We're like, oh, Florida State sucks. And they go in and win their first game, and they're in the title game. And you're like, oh, God, Florida State's in the title game. And then that game is a margin of victory of 40 against whoever <laughs> they play in the title game. So it's it could happen. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I would like to see a combination of Michigan, Alabama, Oregon, Texas, Georgia, any of those teams. I don't want to see Florida State. But it is what it is. I think Texas would be entertaining, depending on what they do with Oklahoma State. They've actually had a pretty bad history with Oklahoma State the past, like, decade. So I'm kind of thinking yeah, that could be enough. Not to pick on Texas, but their loss against pick on them. Oklahoma 
weighs more heavily than their victory against Alabama in September. Right. Even though it's neutral, it was neutral. I will give them that sort of it's in Dallas. It's not, it's, it's like halfway between technically, but it is a Texas field. Yeah, I think <laughs> Texas has the least amount of hope on that whole list. Yeah. All right, let's move on. George, give me your good news. Oh, of the wait, week. sorry. One, oh, one quick yeah, thing. No, te- no, this is quick. No team ranked lower than the sixth with a week left has made the playoff in history so far in the nine, yeah. nine years. Well, we're nine, about, we're about to Point. find out. <laughs> we're about to do it. Uh, my good news of the week is Mike Elko being hired at Texas A&M. It's, yeah, dude. Yes. Please go on. <laughs> Mike Elko is a no nonsense coach and he's pretty good on the field, but he's good, but not great. And Texas A&M basically just signed up for like a whole nother round of maybe two to three seasons maxing out at nine wins. I do not see Elko coming in and having like a 10 win season within the first three years. And so when you lay down the gauntlet and have the biggest contract for a coach in college football history, and then you fire him and follow him up with like a lukewarm coach like Matt Gilko, that's good news to me because AM is going to continue to be the <laughs> leader of the middle ground. Wait, does coaching in the ACC Coastal Division not translate to the SEC West? Maybe, no? <laughs> well, well, there is, there is it, something to be it said. It might there. have seven years ago, but not when <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma are also Maybe. joining the SEC in the very same year. I mean, he's he's got the short end of the stick. Yeah. So what, happened last time and, what, what happened the last time A&M picked uh, a, a uh, coach from the ACC. I don't know. Oh, his name's Jimbo Fisher, and he's oh, making twenty six thousand dollars a day to sit on his ass. <laughs> such <laughs> Sorry. an idiot! I was like, "What?" Oh, yeah, um, stumper. To go on about Mike Elko, um, it was very funny how they were hiring Bob Stoops, and Texas A and M has such a high vision of themselves. They're like. Bob Stoops from mm-hmm. Kentucky, who's done a lot with nothing. How could he come to Texas A&M with all these resources and money and do anything? <laughs> we need a championship caliber coach. Like, why don't we just hire the old defensive coordinator, Mike Elko? At least he knows the chance. And they get him in that press conference, and they're all waving back and forth. And you can tell that all the boosters that are surrounding Mike Elko as they do, like, the side-by-side, like, chant, and there's that yell leader pointing in the air doing weird stuff. He's definitely like the stiffest one of the bunch. All of them are excited, and he's like, "Why am I doing this? I already hate my life. I can't believe I need to be this watching is film it. right now, boys." Yeah, like quick, quick, quick correction. That's Mark Stoops because Bob Stoops is actually the head coach for the XFL, my XFL Arlington Renegades in uh, the Texas. Oh, that's area. right, Bob Stoops. Yeah, good catch. My bad, my bad. Um, who beat Louisville? Who just beat Louisville? Just, just Mark saying. did. Kentucky did. Texas A&M has a really, really high standard for themselves. They need they need championship pedigree for all their championships they've won this century, or the century and a half that they've they haven't won a have they won a a championship in our lifetime? No, not since uh, before World War Two. We we went over this last week. A and M that is Is yeah. Yeah, it was nineteen like eighteen. It was during the it was during the, the the Golden War and then before the big one. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, it's been a while. We were yeah. not alive. Um, my good news of the week. Speaking of coaches moving around, Bobby Petrino, the offensive coordinator for Texas A&M, <laughs> is back in Arkansas. Now, 
the best part about him being back in Arkansas, being Sam Pittman's offensive coordinator, is all of the pictures of him after his motorcycle accident where he's got all the road rash on his face and he's in a neck brace. I mean, talk about an <laughs> all-time picture. So he was he was having an affair with a volleyball player, then he hired on as a staffer, and then while they were riding a motorcycle together, fell off it, and that's how they got exposed as having an affair. So he went into college football purgatory and after 10 years somehow he's like <laughs> circumnavigated the country of college football and is right back in Fayetteville and it it just cracks me up it just cracks me up that that that's that picture is him just like giving the weakest smile while he's in this neck brace and just his face is so road rashed it looks like someone just took off the first four layers of skin on his face it's hilarious I saw that, but it looked so Photoshop. I didn't even really look twice. I didn't know that story at all. Yeah, yeah, it's an hilarious story. He was so he was good at Arkansas. I think he had like two or three ten win seasons in a row, and then that back when people cared about like affairs and stuff. Now you can have an affair. And no one. Yeah, cares. that's a no. That's a good point. I was gonna say is like there used to be like George O'Leary and all. Like he was what was he doing? He was doing something naughty, and he got hired by Notre Dame for a day. There was the other guy that got hired by Alabama. He also had an affair. What was that guy's name? These that guys was, in the, that in was the, Mike was Price, that? and he was hiring Yeah, Mike Price the in the aughts. Yeah, the aughts were, like, hot with these sort of, like, affair firings. Now the internet and social media is crazier than ever, and there's no more – there's no footage besides Urban Meyer in a bar with a stool and in his hand somewhere it shouldn't be. You know, it doesn't happen as much as it used to. <laughs> and there's more, there's more, like, cell phone cameras than ever. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> all right unless you're urban meyer yeah yeah well oh i thought he was gonna get hired at by uh michigan state but jonathan smith did um all right trainer yeah they were talking about it give me your critical number of the week oh don't worry the panthers job's open massey urban meyer will be employed soon <laughs> uh my critical number is i was gonna piggyback off y'all's 1457 what's that that's days since Auburn beat Alabama in a collegiate football game. I like how this this meme used the word collegiate football game. So that's a long time. How, what does that divide by? That's three years. George, 365 days? Yeah, three years. Wait, three years? Oh, okay. Three plus. Yeah. Uh, okay, how about this one? Four. Uh, there are four undefeated teams. November ends today. Shows on December Shows on December 1st. Please download the podcast. Uh, listeners on TS on uh, – 89-1 KHL. Four teams undefeated in November. I want to see if you guys want to do a quick, quick guess. I can do Who it right teams? now. Georgia, Michigan, <laughs> Washington, Florida State. No, NFL. I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> well, hot. Four undefeated teams right now? Too much coffee. I just dropped, jumped from college to NFL really quickly right there. Oh, so my. I can't think of a team that uh... – the Eagles have lost a game to the Jets. Not November, so you got the Eagles. Oh, wait. They're undefeated in November. In November, yeah. Eagles, uh, uh, Chiefs, Lions, nope. Nope. Browns, Cowboys. nope. Broncos. Broncos, there's the Broncos. Broncos, Eagles, Broncos. Eagles. I'm running out of teams. Who are the Eagles playing this week? Dolphins, Niners. Nope. Niners, and then who's my doppelganger? The Colts. Colts undefeated in November. Back so, on. so let's list it. Let's list them all. All again. Colts. Yeah. 
Niners, mm-hmm. Eagles, Broncos. Mm-hmm. The Colts and the Broncos stand out as un, the most unlikely candidates in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Wild card teams. All right, George, give me your critical number. 0.1%. That's the percent that I was, was going <laughs> to yeah, go oh. ahead, Trader. Go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was over <laughs> under in points against Michigan in the first three quarters. I don't it know. It possibly is, but 0.1% is the chance of Bama winning before the snap of fourth and 31. I love the computers that put that together. If you look at that on a graph, it literally plummets to the bottom, and then 10 seconds later, it skyrockets to, like, near 100%. I love those graphs, 0. too. 0.1%. I love those graphs. It just Only when it's in my favor, though. Well, I guess if it's against me, too, I'm like, well, see, look, we had a 75% chance remaining with two, two minutes left, so we were there. We were close, or you whatever, apply that to whatever game that you want the outcome to be. So it's... I love those graphs. I want to know the algorithm. Yeah, I thought that was a hell of a stat. Point one. Oh yeah, those are great. I've saw those in the you know in baseball they happen a lot where a team's up by like three or four. They've got a a badass closer, and like the graph is all the way down to point one for the other team, and then like a grand slam happens and they win the game. And there was the Ravens Browns game earlier this year yep. where the Ravens imploded. That was a good graph. That was like a near that point five or less range. It's especially fun in fantasy if you're watching your team in desperation, just yes. like not even watching the game. You're watching like the numbers tick. <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, I have a 0% chance of winning this. And then all of a sudden you like wake up the next morning and then you're like somehow won by like 0.5. Yeah. And the confetti falls. And you're like, yes, <laughs> I'm the smartest man alive. Live for the confetti. Yeah. Live for the confetti. My, you have your wife throw confetti on you. <laughs> yeah, my, Hillary, every Monday morning or Tuesday morning, Hillary wakes up, wakes You're me up so with pathetic. some confetti. <laughs> All right, critical. My critical number in their last thirty-two possessions, the Saints have scored three touchdowns. Two hmm. by Jameis Winston. Carr was hurt. One by Taysom sure. Hill. Carr was on the sideline, and then Carr <laughs> played the whole game against Atlanta last weekend, and they kicked five field goals and lost 15 to 24. Is there anything more depressing than the Saints offense? Iowa's offense. Point point taken. Point that's taken. it. That's the those are two. <laughs> that's the that's the answer. All right. Well, those we'll are just, the dregs. Black black and yellow, black and gold. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that solves that. We'll just move right along. Trainer, give me your <laughs> stuck on for the week. My stuck on is kind of uh it's kind of complex. Basically the overarching theme is coaches are either fired or fired up. These days, Frank Reich uh, becomes the sixth NFL head coach fired before finishing his first season with a team. Yep. Uh, Lou Holtz in 76. We talked about Lou earlier. Pete McCauley in 78. Don't know who he coached for. We got Bobby Petrino in 07 for the Falcons. There's Bobby. Oh, I forgot about Um, Bobby. It's the Falcons. Urban Meyer. So we're we're, we're on a three-year hot streak here, guys. Urban Meyer in 21. Mm -hmm. Nat, uh, Nasty Nate. Hackett last year for the Broncos and now coach Frank Reich. He's also the first head coach to be fired in back-to-back seasons in NFL history. You forgot to mention Matt rule there. Cause he was fired last year by Carolina only one season in. Isn't that right? I think rule had a few, I think they gave him like three years. Did they? You might want to, I think they did. I think that. they were like, I think they were kind of like, all right, it's the post cam era. We're dealing with like, is Sam Darnold good? They had who else did they have? They had some other 
bum out there like Ron like, Riviera. Ron Riviera. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so there's that going on. There's the um the amount of money right now that's in college football. 118 million dollars is the amount of contract buyouts that coaches have currently walked away with now that Jimbo has been fired 76 million, the Indiana coach, Tom Allen, don't know, 15.5, uh, Massey's boy, Dan Holgerson just got fired by Houston. That's 14.8 million. And the list gets a lot cheaper after that. So it's a lot of money. So coaches are getting fired and they're also in college. They're fired up. They're pissed off. Matt rule, for example, very pissed off about the transfer portal. Make no mistakes. A good quarterback in the portal costs one to 1.5 million or 2 million right now. So just so we're on the same page, right? Let's make sure we all understand what's happening. So lots of being fired or complaining about trying to not get fired because they're blaming the transfer portal when they should be just blaming, like we said about a month ago, just say the other team is stealing signs. You keep your job. That's right. That's right. But also, (laughs) but also the transfer portal and NIL, in my opinion, Matt rule needs to utilize it better because I think it's bringing the top teams down a peg to the not not to like the it used to be haves and have nots used to have all the guys and everybody else didn't now everyone's gotten a mix of them because players can get more playing time by entering the transfer portal which is on fire right now i'm not even going to pretend like i'm going to keep up with the transfer portal until it all settles out what in the spring maybe maybe in the fall yeah there's 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 two things there's like like a Right. There's like a December window. We, we saw our guy, uh, DJ, not going to play anymore. He's not going to play at Oregon State anymore. He's entering the transfer portal. It's about to get fun. I'm excited for this. But I wanted to piggyback on, because my quote of the week was by the Carolina's owner, David Tepper, who seems to be micromanaging that team after firing Matt Rule after two years and hiring Frank Wright and firing him the same year. He says, I do have patience. My reputation away from this game is one of extreme patience. It's like you bought the team in 2018 and you've had six coaches since then. What do you mean? Patience? <laughs> Just hire football guys, go back to crunching numbers and, and make your 6% and, and move on and let the football guys run your football team. It's going to grow. I don't know, 30% in the next 15 years and then sell it and have your great, great, great grandkids lit, drive Lamborghinis for the, for their entire life. Like who dude just, Leave it alone. Billionaires can't relax. What can I say? Six head coaches since 2019 is absurd. That is what the Panthers have done. And that's the Steelers were established in 1957. They've had six head coaches. That was my other one. So the, yeah, oh, like the Steelers, yeah. the Steelers have had six head coaches <laughs> in their entire franchise history since before this, like what, I don't even know what happened significantly in the fifties. Uh, before the Korean War, let's just go with that. Okay, all right, all right. Um, now I see I've That's lost. Astounding. I've I've lost myself in in the the. Are you? Are you, you, you jump to your quote? Oh, are you on your stuck on, George? No. Um, actually, yeah, I haven't done that one yet. I can do one real quick. Yeah, yeah. Holler at me. My stuck on is how uh, a lot of the talking heads in the college football playoff scenario keeps saying how there's been no chaos this year. And they're right that there's no, there hasn't been any like wild upsets, which is a little odd. Um, Cause you normally have plenty of seasons with upsets, but 
we we just spent like five solid minutes just talking about eight teams and how unpredictable next week is going to be. Mm-hmm. If that's not enough chaos, you just like honestly chaos as they define it being an upset would actually make this less chaotic. If we had, you know, Florida State, their QB got hurt. That's provided some chaos to the scenario. Mm-hmm. Ohio State dropped all the way to sixth. That also presents a whole lot of questions that, you know, in my eyes, consider that chaos. And then Washington and Oregon, like I said, are at three and five. You know, it's it's just funny to me. That's what I'm stuck on this week. There was like, there's no chaos. There's no chaos. It's like, yeah, there's no chaos, but we're still spending like tons of time talking about what could happen. This is the most fascinating college football season in recent memory. I can't think of another one besides that famous one in 2007 was it where all the chaos but it's been absolutely fascinating to see which teams have are pushing for those four spots and right now we have eight in play seven realistically um coming down to the to the wire and also just like the simple fact that we're kind of forgetting georgia has an opportunity and has proven that they should be given the opportunity to go for a three-peat, which has not happened in like 90 years. Yeah, since... We should all, unless you have like a horse in the race, we should all be pulling for Georgia. Can you imagine how cool it would be to witness a three-peat? Yeah, be that, amazing. that would be cool, but I got some people that I don't want that to, to that feather in their cap. Does that make sense? Yeah, me too. Brother law, uh, you know. <laughs> just the same uh, one. <laughs> uh, has he been on the sh- this show before? Um, he visited last week. You know, but <laughs> but he might be uh, he might be on the long list. He made himself from the short list to the long list. He's yeah, we're trying to do man. like we're trying to do like a flip flop revolving doors of Dilfs again. So I mean, he was on <laughs> last week, and we're having George on again. No, it's a good point. I brought up the I brought I was I was like, holy crap! I forgot to do this. Is audit the top twenty five from the preseason? LSU was five, USC was six, Penn State was seven, Clemson was nine, Tennessee was ten. So yeah, those teams are not even close. USC obviously had a really <laughs> this awesome. Year. I forgot. I mean, the, you know, that's that's plenty of like difference between the preseason this isn't totally chalk you know oregon was 15 back then yeah yeah washington is washington was washington was 11 um i'm trying to think who jumped the highest here i guess it was oregon from 15 all the way up to the top top five and potentially going to the playoffs so where was texas texas was 12 so they're right behind washington yeah they hovered in the top 15 yeah Yeah. all right that's awesome give me your quote slash question of the week hmm I've got one of each. I'll go with the quote first. I I don't know that I've had a day like this, and I'll include them all. I'll put Super Bowls in there. I don't know if I've ever had a better day with the Cowboys than today. What did Jerry Jones say? Let's say that about. So Jerry Jones obviously is super catty and sassy about the Rangers winning, you know, just a block away, winning mm. the World Series. So mm. he's trying to, like, do the whole, like, oh, I'm very happy right now with the Cowboys destroying Washington – on Thanksgiving, this is the best day of my life where it's just like, okay, dude. Yeah, we got you. We know what's going on here. Hasn't he Does that won, make sense? Hasn't he won three Super Bowl champions? He has, but he's saying like right now is his happiest he's ever been. Even he was happier on Thanksgiving. Maybe it's cause like he's got family and great grandkids involved and illegitimate kids. Somebody, and... Yeah. There's somebody waiting for him at a hotel at the Ritz or whatever. 
and he was excited about that. <laughs> his heart was racing. Um, but that was his quote was he was the happiest he's ever been was beating the commanders on, on, uh, on Turkey day. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Jones and your question. <laughs> oh, my question. Um, so <clears throat> this was, this was, uh, this is a sweet little story. Cardinals linebacker, Jesse Lukita suffered a flat tire on his way to the game today. Some Cardinals fans on the way to the state farm, uh, stadium scooped him up, drove him to the stadium. Cool story. I think that's awesome. Massey, my question to you, and I'll try to phrase it for George too, but for Massey, if you saw Derek Carr on the side of the road going to the game mm. with a flat tire, WYD, what you doing? Are you helping him or are you leaving him so he doesn't have to come to the game and mess up the offense? Yeah, I'm leaving him. I'm okay, leaving him. Cool. I'm going to pass by and yeah. go, was that Derek Carr? <laughs> and then I'm going to call every single tow truck and divert them away just list some street 50 miles away and be like, I need a tow and just go round robin on all the tow trucks. So he, he does not get any help to get to the game. Love it. I was going to say, it depends on what neighborhood in New Orleans he is in. Yeah. <laughs> good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> all right, George, give me your quote slash question of the week. Also, hold on. Let me back up. A fan drove a Cardinals player to the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had a flat tire. They saw him. They recognized him, and they were like, "Hey, need a ride?" And it's like, I feel like it's like a cool. I bet it's you like the fit. No one believed him when he got to the game. I bet you <laughs> they're like, "Guys, yeah, you're not, not. going to believe this." But I just gave <laughs> blah 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 a ride in the game. Like, shut up, shut up, Tommy. We don't believe that is the most BS thing I've ever heard. I got pictures, uh, defakes. Shut up, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, like that would that would be an all time story. All right, where was I? George, give me your quotes. That's question of the week. I kind of want to change my quote at the last second to uh, what Trainer mentioned a second ago about that coach. I forget who it was who was talking about the the price tag on college quarterbacks and the portal. Matt yeah. Rule. Matt Rule, and he was basically spitting out a price tag. And it struck me that, like, actually, that's probably good that he knows – what it takes. I bet you Dabo doesn't know the price of a good quarterback off the top of his head. That's a great, that's, he, does, he, knows he doesn't want anybody to tell him. You're right. He's, he's a, he's an ostrich burying his head in the sand on that one. hundred yeah, percent. He's obviously bitter when he's saying that, but you know, <laughs> Nebraska though, go get him. <laughs> yeah. Nebraska should have deep pockets and it might've just been like a, a, a call out to the alumni being like, yo, I need a million and a half bucks to get somebody mm. in here. I like that. That's a good strategy. Good call. I wonder how much money Bo Nix has made. Well, think about it. A million bucks, that, that's more than Brock Purdy makes. And he plays quarterback yeah, he makes, for the Niners. Yeah, he makes 700, 700K and lives on somebody's couch or he shares a room in San Francisco with somebody, like a friend. Oh, and what's the guy, Tommy TD, uh, the quarterback for the Giants that lives with his parents? He's oh, not, Dane DeVito's son? Yeah, yeah Tommy yeah. DeVito? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, not making a, he's not making a million bucks a year. Mm -mm. Good for these kids. Good for them. All right, where, where, where were we, George? Uh, I was done with my quote of the week. Oh, oh, I've uh, we've talked about my quote and my stuck on, so we'll just go to my goat, and I'm sure Trainer has an opinion on this. Mark Cuban, mm. who, who bought the math for $285 million, is now selling them for $3.5 billion. He is also leaving Shark Tank. The best part about this is he's in his late 60s, has enough money to retire 10 lifetimes over and the moment he retires everyone says well he's probably running for president 
at what point in your life can you just be like, yeah, I'm good making money and then have so much influence that people start speculating if you're running for president or not? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, he's he needs to be at least 75. Yeah, yeah, he's not old enough to run for president. <laughs> that's a good I like that. Um, yeah, it's like Tepper. We these billionaires don't know how to settle down, so he's like he made a contract clause that's like I'm still head of ba- basketball operations, so he's still got to be involved in the day to day. Obviously, we're going to we're going to really miss him on Shark Tank, the show I watch weekly. Yeah. <laughs> classic. <laughs> That yeah, bar rescue. <laughs> John Tafford. All right. Give me your go to the week trainer. Uh, I went with uh, Jim Ursay. Um, I had not realized that when he got his DUI in 2014, that he said there was a prejudice against white billionaires, which I just thought was just a cute, <laughs> cute little quote. He got roasted on some TV shows. He went after some people like Stephen A. Smith and company on first take. Oh um, said, said some dirty things like, you ugly, uh, you in some hot water, you're, you're a nothing burger. So Jim Irsay, just, just love the continued content from him year after year. Is he the oldest person that is a, a mogul online? He's very online. He is very online. That's a good point. He also, tried to save, he also tried to save an orca earlier this season. Yeah, instead of paying – Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, right. he was like, Jonathan Taylor, we can't save you. We're going to fly a whale to Alaska out of this aquarium. He, he does. I mean, we, we've talked about his briefcase full of pills. He looks like he's 85, but he's actually 64. He just hit the uh, senior citizens. Uh, net worth of $4.3 So, yeah, he's, he's definitely rich. <laughs> SMU. Went to SMU. That Fun makes fact. sense. That adds up. <laughs> All of that adds up. It does. It does. <laughs> All right, George, give me your go to the week. It's got to be Jalen Milrow. It's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, the dude's on top of the world this week. Never has to buy a meal in Tuscaloosa again. Nah, he's there. Elite status. He's going to open up a a burger joint next to AJ McCarron's sushi place. (laughs) He should. Uh, No, he's the man. And he's kind of leaning into that, uh, like, roll tide with a big grin on his face that he says at the end of the games, mm-hmm. he has like a microphone shoved in his face and he's like straight face answering questions and like, all right, thanks a lot for your time. And he just sort of like takes a step back and he's like, roll tight. Like he's enjoying it. He's on top of the world. He's earned it this week. He's awesome. He, uh, he definitely had some shortcomings early this year, but he's overcome them in a big way. And he's the guy to mm-hmm. for sure. America. I'm guessing team. those two kids. No, that's Michigan Massey. Uh, those two kids, Below him on the dev chart, transfer portal? Is that – I mean, he's definitely, like, submitted himself for you know, yeah, QB1. Ty where actually, would Tyler Buckner go? Yeah. Where, where would he go? Who would take him? Tyler Virginia. Buckner. And, well, yep. There, I'm <laughs> just saying. Just putting that out there. Actually, I like our guy, uh, Mr. Whoops-a-Daisy, whatever his name is. Mr. McNamara or whatever? Yeah. I've already forgotten his name because uh, he lost to guy. Virginia Tech by – 54. Oh, Virginia, we got to bring up the sprinklers real quick. Yes, yes. Yes. Go to the week or is the field staff for UVA? Field staff. Virginia Tech uh, coach tried to have a like, hey, we won it in Charlottesville. Awesome. And a little powwow or huddle on the field after the game. And then they turned the sprinklers on in the middle. It's like very, very petty. Awesome. Like just we just got obliterated by Virginia Tech again. And we're going to turn the sprinklers on. You're not having your fun moment. 
on the Saturday Night Lights or Friday Night Lights or whatever it was, what day of the week. I don't even yeah, know. they were like, come on, seniors, come back out here and, and, and enjoy this moment out here on this yeah, field of victory. Right. And someone saw that and just turned on the sprinklers. They were like, no, 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 no. Not now. Yeah. Not Go now. <laughs> How long after the final second off the clock was that? Oh, it was after their change. They're like in street clothes and they've come back out to like savor the moment. <laughs> okay. I was going to say if they did that, like the broadcast is still live. Or something. <laughs> that would be brutal. That makes more sense. Yeah. The custodial staff was still like uh, cleaning up the stadium and the seniors come out and someone has pushed the sprinkler system. That's so good. Completely forgot that. about That's that. Good stuff. All right, let's uh let's go to the Baker's Dozen. We have a lot to talk about. We've been talking a lot of college football, and guess what? We're going to talk about it more because it's championship week. Um, now we got to decide. Now we got to decide who's in and who mm-hmm. is out. If we have about seven minutes left in our Baker's Dozen, if you miss it here on KHOL, please download our podcast, Teton Sports Talk, wherever podcasts are available to catch the rest of our predictions. Did we update the uh, our poll we versus, did. versus yeah. me and I, you? I, I got you after week 13 going into championship week, Massey, 87, 80 and four trainer, 85, 82 and four. And the Dilfs, although they haven't picked many games, uh, an incredible 26, 15 and one. Yeah. That between makes us, George and Dawson. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, makes us look stupid. I'm, I'm very confident. We're going to continue that streak. That makes mm. me feel Uh-oh. dumb. Okay. Well, Should we do it? Let's start Atlanta. Number one, Georgia versus number eight, Alabama. 4 p.m. kickoff local time in Atlanta. Georgia is favored by five and a half. They are absolutely rolling. They played a soft baby schedule in order to gear up towards the harder part of their score towards the harder and latter part of their schedule. They did that successfully. Carson Beck has complete control of this Georgia offense. He's thrown for 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns. Now, he doesn't run it very much. Well, you know why he doesn't run it? Because he's been sacked twice in 12 games. That is elite offensive line play. But Bama, there's just just a little – there's a lot of history between Bama and Georgia in Atlanta. Bama has come out on top every single time. How do you feel about this game, George, when Georgia feels like they are have the slight edge at every single position? My head is telling me one thing and my heart's telling me another, obviously. But here's how I kind of broke it down in my head. If Alabama is going to win, they need to play the best possible version of their game at every single position and unit. Yep. If Georgia is going to win – all they really need to do is be themselves, yes. which is a scary, scary proposition as a Bama fan. So my head's telling me one thing, my heart's telling me another, but it all comes down to this. Never, ever go against Alabama. All right. Bama's going to roll. Bama's going to roll. I have a, I have Bama's offensive game plan here. Run, run, play, action, pass. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Run, <laughs> deep throw, QB draw. Just do that. I will say that the one thing that I do like about Alabama's chances here is they have allowed quarterbacks to run the ball, and their two interior linemen are out. So they have they have a couple of non-starters. I'm sure they've seen playing time. 
going up against Alabama. If we if Alabama can get to the second level and just get not chunk plays of ten or fifteen, but get in front of the sticks and not be forced to third and long and maybe get a turnover or a pick six or some sort of type big play, Alabama's going to need it all to beat this elite Georgia team. What say you, trainer? Yeah, uh, I. so I saw this. You guys were talking about the success Alabama's had. I saw that Georgia's not beaten Alabama in the state of Georgia since 03. Is that correct? That might be right, yeah. That's wild. That's when I graduated high school. That's a billion years ago. Um, Georgia's run defense is not as strong as it's been. And obviously, like y'all were talking about the RPO and Alabama being successful at that, setting up Noro for deep shots, like the one that won- to beat Auburn. Um, yeah, overall, Georgia's a better team. Five and a half is not a huge spread. And I know you guys are both picking Alabama. Are you guys both picking Alabama? To I know we're just doing covers here, but Bam are, we, and the are we talking like Bama and the points? Are you guys, George said roll, like they're, oh, oh, we need some, uh, yeah, no, that's fair. I'll tighten that up. I think it's going to no, be curious. really close. No, I think it's going to be really close. I don't think – I don't know. 5.5 is a weird spread. Uh, it is a weird spread. Of, the chances of winning on a field goal by either team is pretty slim, so I would probably take the points mm-hmm. just because they're low. <sighs> well, I mean, bowl season is going to be crazy, so I can definitely make up ground on Massey with that. But I'll, I'll go ahead and be the contrary. I'll pick Georgia. No offense. Sports fans listening on the radio, that is all the time we have for you on this part of the show. Podcast listeners, or if you listen on the radio, switch over to the podcast. See how we finish off the Baker's Dozen. Podcast listeners, don't go anywhere because guess what? It's just going to keep flowing. And we're back. Okay, just had to get a little pause there so I can edit it correctly, and we'll go back at 53.25 and edit that. Okay, let's go out to Las Vegas where the number five Oregon Ducks versus the number three Washington Huskies in the last Pac-12 championship ever. And boy, is it the biggest one yet. So we Oregon is favored by 10, huh? With Against mm-hmm. the Huskies. This is a win and you're in scenario. Dan Lanning has the Ducks playing their best football late in the season, which is unlike the Ducks, in my opinion. Usually the Ducks start off hot and cool off. Washington, on the other hand, has seemingly been squeaking past teams. They won in a field goal, last second field goal against Washington State in the Apple Cup. And they lost, or excuse me, they won by two against Oregon State. Bo Nix and Michael Penix both are going to get invited to New York. I feel like that's a possibility with Bo Nix, 4,000 yards, 37 touchdowns and two interceptions. Penix, 3,900 yards, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions. What say you, trainer? Yeah, Washington has been squeaking squeaking them out the past five. Looks like kind of like a margin of victory of definitely less than 10, probably in like the six-point six range. Oregon has obviously been on a heater since they lost to Washington. That seems like a million years ago. That was in October, and that was in Washington. This game is obviously neutral, on a neutral field. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing – I'd see the point in having ten, having Oregon obviously be the lower ranked team with a loss to watch this year and having them be a 10 point um, favorite because of the way the teams have, you know, have everything that's been different between the two squeaking them out for Washington, Oregon destroying teams since they last played each other. Um, man, I feel like Oregon inside. 
that dome in Vegas is dangerous. And yep. I, I think it's like, yeah, I feel like Oregon's playing as good as Michigan, as good as Georgia right now. And I'm probably going to say Oregon is going to win by 10. George? Oregon and the points. Oh, yeah. 10 is a lot of points. But like you said best, Massey, Washington hasn't gotten better. They haven't gotten worse, whereas Oregon is accelerating into yeah. the end of the season. They are playing strong. I do think Bo Nix is a good quarterback. He obviously wasn't at Auburn. <laughs> but, uh, nobody nobody was except Cam. Out. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a lot of points. But I think uh, I think they're hungrier. I think they're pissed about the way they lost last time. And they've been accelerating into this game. And uh, they've had it circled for a long time. They're, uh, they're going to come in hot. And they're going to stay hot the whole game. I think they can do it. Accelerating Maybe. into this game is is a great way to they they have put pedal to the metal all the way to Las Vegas. In order, to, I I have been picking the last couple of weeks what Bama really needs to get into the college football playoff. I think they need Washington to win this game and get Oregon and or get one of these teams completely out of the picture. If Washington wins, that means Oregon's completely out. If Oregon wins a squeaker and they're both at 11 or yeah is that right 11 and 1 then mm-hmm. then there's some debate to be had i need i need oregon out of the picture so give me washington and the points Damn. yeah that's fair i should have said also J- jason campbell redskins sorry excuse my language but redskins great jason campbell also a decent <laughs> auburn quarterback back in back well, a long time ago well he had cadillac williams and ronnie brown so there's 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 an asterisk next to that and he did. They would and they would be sorry, excuse me, 12 and 1 would be the two records if Oregon were to win instead of 11 and 1. Oh, yes, but, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Let's go down. Is it Charlotte? Is that where the ACC championship is? Charlotte, we're doing that one or Oklahoma State first. Either one, but that one is should make sure it didn't get skipped. No, no, no. we we'll do Oklahoma State next. That's how I somehow wrote it down. Louisville. That's how you say Louisville. Louisville. Versus Louisville, Florida that one's in State. Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. We're the Panthers fire coaches. Home <laughs> of the Pirates. <laughs> We're uh, number 14, Louisville takes on number four, Florida State. Florida State only favored by a point and a half after losing their Heisman Trophy contending quarterback, Jordan Travis. Louisville is coming off a loss to their rival, Kentucky. FSU escapes their rival from their rival, Florida State, on the back of their running back, Trey Benson. Now, their backup QB, Tate Rodemaker, that's Florida State's backup QB, he went 12 for 25 for 134 yards last game. I don't know if Florida State can get themselves back up to the level that you do when you play Florida in the swamp. And Louisville coming off a loss as well. This is going to be a highly contested ACC championship. George, I'll kick it to you. you have any feeling about which way this game's going to go? I... Don't know yeah, anything right. <laughs> about Louisville. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> no, I would, <laughs> I would, I would venture to say that no one has done a full analysis of Louisville. But the headline of this game, and the more important part, is I remember watching Florida State beat LSU earlier in the season, and they looked amazing. And one of the things that caught my eye was how good their defensive line was. Yep. I think Florida State is going to win. I think it should be an easy win. But if they don't win by more than seven points, 
they probably don't stay at number four. Style points. This is kind of like the BCS era. Ooh. They need to win by a lot if they want to actually give that team a real chance. Hmm. Hmm. I will say that Louisville has been great against the run into the last two games. They've allowed 100 yards on the ground against Kentucky, and I forget the game before that. They have a total of 84 tackles Man. and sacks for a loss combined for the year. They dial up blitz packages quite well, and the first-year head coach, Brom, has got, has got this team believing. I'm going to take, I'm gonna take, uh, I'm gonna take Louisville and the points, mm. again, because Alabama needs it. Yeah, the team, the game. Okay, so yeah, Louisville's last last three games, uh, they should have lost UVA. That tells you all you need to know right there. <laughs> uh, they barely they they won in Miami and they lost to Kentucky last week. Um, which obviously, I don't know if they ever had a chance. If they were if they were not undefeated, but they were if they had not lost that game going into this game, would they have a way to catapult? No, because the ACC has one chance, and that's what George was saying. I don't know if Florida State has to win by more than a field goal to get to the college ball playoff. I feel like they're – what were we talking about earlier? Like they're in if they win? They're kind of, they're kind of blue blood enough, but I I think that, George, you have a point there where like – He does. Style, just, yeah. I think style points might, might matter. If they win on a last-second field goal, then there's something like you're going to start giving mm. Florida State the side eye with how much they struggled with a terrible, a oh, terrible yeah. Florida team. Yeah, if we, I mean, not to rehash all these hypotheticals that we've already kind of gone through, but to answer that question, if Bama wins and Oregon wins by like a point, then what are they going to do with Florida State? Yeah. If Florida State does not convincingly win and those other two scenarios are true, mm-hmm. what are they going to do with Florida State? They're going to just keep them at four, call them a four seed and just you know, roll with it. Or are they going to answer Kirk Herbstreet's question and put the damn best four teams in? Because if they beat Louisville by a point, they are not a top four best team. Yep. Yep. Definitely not. And it would be, it would be unprecedented, like completely uncharted territory where it's like UCF when they were undefeated, they were, was that conference USA or American athletic conference? Yeah. yeah, AAC. If a, yeah, if an AC yeah. team goes undefeated and doesn't make it, that's one thing. If an ACC team goes undefeated, regardless of quarterback injury, I just they're going to put Florida State in. It stinks. Florida State's going to win this game. They've got a lot more talent. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. I mean, the the, the good news is it's, you're going to some teary-eyed Longhorn fans in Austin crying crying into their barbecue, you know. It, it is <laughs> yeah. what it is. They're dry, salty <laughs> yeah, that's, barbecue. That's, yeah, Florida State is the biggest damn shame. I mean, they yeah, are, you know, as a team, they are definitely deserving of being in the top four. However, they so obnoxiously and tragically lost their star player, who obviously matters so significantly because they kind of limped along to this point. You know, no if they had lost that star. That's not a pun, but you yeah, know what I mean. <laughs> actually, actually, no pun intended. <laughs> no, I'm not that cruel. You know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah no, I, de- kind of I definitely do. There's, at this point, but yeah, there's like kind of a correlation between a quarterback who's the QB one, who like Jonathan Moxon in uh, Varsity Blues. Yep, he goes down. Or sorry, excuse me. Uh, Paul Walker goes down. Uh, Lance Arbor, and let's say Lance Arbor's knee heals faster. Does he get his job back? Does Florida State 
get to go to the title game, even though they're just being penalized for a quarterback injury, their best player, obviously on offense. I just, yeah, I just don't see them. I don't see the committee doing it. I think it should happen because I'd rather see these other teams make it, even though it's an ACC team who's undefeated. It's yeah, it's wild, but Florida State, unfair. they're in. It's unfair, yeah, but it you know, if you want it to get the best four teams on mm-hmm. the, on the playoff brackets, then Florida State is going to have to prove it by winning more than seven. Yeah. All right. So what's your what's y'all's picks? I've lost track. Florida State. I'm taking Florida State to win because that's the pick. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. My point is simply that they need to win by a lot. Let's move. Let's move to where is the Big Twelve championship played? Oh, I, I, Jerry World. The Big Twelve, which is the one of the more trash conferences behind the ACC and Big Ten. Uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who are nine and three, are playing the number seven Texas Longhorns, eleven and one. Texas is favored by fifteen and a half in a championship game. Yeah. Now Oklahoma State lost early in the season back-to-back games against University of South Alabama, where the real Mardi Gras is, and Iowa State, and then they got absolutely bulldozed by University of Central Florida, where they didn't even score a touchdown. They lost forty-five to three two weeks ago. They barely beat BYU in double overtime last week in order to make it to the Big 12 championship over their rival, Oklahoma. Sorry, losers. You should have beaten your rival. Um, Oklahoma State needs a miracle, right? Like, Texas did lose to Oklahoma in a huge spot earlier in the season. It was an early kickoff. Quinn Ewers and Texas, he's been in and out of the lineup, but Texas has prevailed, and, and they've squeaked out some games without him. He's obviously the straw that stirs the drink down there. I'm going to pick with my heart and not my head. Give me Oklahoma State in the points. Ooh. What do you say, trainer? He's a man. He's almost 40 now. Happy birthday, belated Massey. Um, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State has a garbage quarterback. They have a yes. good running back yes. who's not as good as Brooks, I feel like talent-wise, but you know he's got good stats, 1,500, almost 1,600 yards and 20 20- touchdowns which is a lot byu is their rivalry game last week is hilarious um two overtimes for that they wanted houston that ucf game blows my mind oklahoma state went on a heater until they lost ucf i kind of was starting to believe in them again they were our, our favorite wild card uh team for a long stretch 15 and a half points in the state in jerry world quinn ewers texas is playing for us potentially a spot in the college bowl playoff and i feel like between ewers and brooks they'll They'll open it up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Oklahoma State to cover, 14 points. I like that a lot. And wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something if Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma and Texas on their Ooh. way out to the SEC? But it would just be poetic. Yeah, 100. George, what say you? Massey, you are in the business of making good radio. I am in the business <laughs> of picking the right team. <laughs> <laughs> point texas is gonna be the dog out of them uh this is good radio because you're the contrarian here (laughs) y'all are y'all are just playing the field and trying to make good uh opinions here but uh i'm going to win the uh the pick them game so yeah i i'm a little curious why the spread for this game is not as big as the michigan iowa spread it should be more dang no love for oklahoma state Iowa can't what? score. 
I was picked to score <laughs> 0.5 points in the first half. <laughs> I don't see it. Uh, Texas is going to beat the hell out of them. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Let's go to Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> We're number two, Michigan versus Iowa. Do we even need to talk about this game? Michigan's, Michigan's favored by 22. Iowa can't score. Michigan will stop them, and Michigan will score. I'm going to pick Michigan. Ooh, 22 points on uh, the home that Jim Ursay built. Um, Peyton Manning well, built that. That's true. Well, yeah. I mean, he did pick – he picked Manning in the draft, though. So, chicken and the egg there. Um, well, Ursay get a I DUI. They weren't a DUI on the way to, I thought they, they, they are. They are. No, no. I didn't think that Jim Ursay built Lucas Oil until after Peyton Manning was there. That's a good question. We'll have to look at that. Um, will Jim Ursay go to this game? Will he get a DUI on the way to it? Is he a rich billionaire? Is he, is he uh, unfairly given a bias against the, against the Indianapolis police department? We'll figure that out off the show. Uh, Michigan by 22. God, can Iowa's defense hold that? Okay, Iowa's point totals, 10, 10, 22, 15, and 13, their last five games. Um, Michigan can definitely score enough. I feel like they can score enough on Iowa's defense. So God, Michigan. Yeah. Michigan's going to cover. Damn it. I hate to do it. Peyton Manning was drafted in 1998 and Lucas oil stadium opened up in August of 2008. Peyton Manning is the man who built Lucas oil stadium. Is George still there? We got you, George. Are you going to the fridge or something? I'm here. I'm listening. Uh, On the toilet. Uh, you got a. Uh, <laughs> it's a flat, flattering, flattering angle. Um, who you got? Michigan, and the points or Iowa or whatever. Uh, Michigan points. Um, Michigan has been very strong all year. They uh, got their perception got sidetracked by the mm-hmm. sign stealing scandal. But like I said last month on the show, if Michigan in the locker room ignores all that noise and just focuses on the game and what they can control, then they're going to win out. And they have done that. And if you watch like the press conferences or the post game interviews with any of the players or like assistant coaches, they are not paying attention to the scandal. They're not, they don't know any updates. They don't know what's going on. They don't care. They want to play and they want to win and they're on. I think they cover. All right, let's talk about the last two That's championship fair. games That's real fair. quick. Yeah, just that is good. just yeah, just quickly. Jim Irsay did. He's owned the Colts since '97. Drafted Peyton Manning. God invented the chicken. So Irsay's the chicken, and Peyton Manning is the egg. Which, I agree you know. to disagree there. <laughs> all right, S, uh, SMU versus Tulane. Tulane's favored by three and a half. I watched them almost beat Ole Miss with a backup quarterback. I'm going to pick Tulane here. Give me Tulane and the points. George? SMU. Yeah, George, go for it. Yeah, Tulane in the points. They've been strong this year. Um, I don't really have any great analysis there, but yeah. Is it a home game? Is it a home game? I think it kind of is a home game, right? It's in um, – It's probably New Orleans. It is in – it's in New Orleans in the Yuleman Stadium, which I'm guessing is the outdoor – Tulane used to play in the Superdome. I don't I know, know the history of when that when that changed. Um, yeah, SMU lost their quarterback. I hate to just go back to back. We're all picking the same team, but I, I like Tulane at home, uh, quote unquote at home. 
New Mexico State versus Liberty. Liberty favored by 11 points in this game. New Mexico State did beat Auburn. Ooh. Liberty just is in their first year without Hugh Freeze, which is at Auburn. They are – I hate everything about Liberty. I hate their founders. Uh, I think they're full of scandals and they're hypocrites. So give me New Mexico State and the points. Wow. I love the uh, the amount of intensity and anti-Liberty. Um, who, who is their far, – the, far, the Farwells, right? Jerry Farwell. Look that up. Look at him and his son, how they're spending all the church oh. money and and uh, college money for buying private planes and real estate. Yeah, like, yeah. They're corrupt as the day is long. Give me New Mexico State. And Hugh Freeze's last job, right? Liberty? Yes. All right. Caden uh, Slater, Caden Salter, excuse me, one of my favorites, is the nation's fourth-rated passer, trailing only Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, and Jalen Monroe. Heard of him? Give me Liberty. <laughs> All right, George, you have any opinion on this? <laughs> No, I like your opinion on New Mexico State. I think they uh, – I'm, I'm not sure I'd give them the points, but I think they could surprise Liberty here. Um, they, have, they beat Auburn. They beat Auburn. Yeah, they, 31, to, 31 to 10. That counts for everything. They have a uh, linebacker who looks like a 35-year-old man. He is – I forget his name, but he's awesome. We're definitely Ryan Urlacher? playing on Sundays. <laughs> Um, no. I really don't remember his name. I just remember watching him play in like week mm. three, and I was like, that dude is big and fast and mean and angry and awesome. And I wish I had committed his name to memory, but yeah, I'll take New Mexico State here. All right, let's get on to the NFL slate, the biggest game of the weekend. The 49ers go on the road to face the Eagles. I think this is a preview of the NFC Championship game, in my opinion. Whoa. The Niners favored by three on the road. Give me the Eagles and the points all day. What say you, trainer? What do you mean? What, what about what about Saints Cowboys? I thought that, I thought we were like what doing do you, that whole thing this year for the NFC title game. Don't don't sass me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, you want the Eagles, okay? Um, I need the Eagles to lose. So Niners cover Niners cover the three, win by six. Brock Purdy and and Jalen Hurts, this is going to be a beautiful game. And everybody's run attack, it's just this is going to be an absolute outstanding game. Um, what's yeah. you have an you got an opinion on this, George? Yeah, I think this game is going to be really good to watch. Uh, it's going to be tight. Um, I'm with you though. I'm taking Hurts and the Eagles. Chiefs. Yeah, I mean Hurts. Okay. Hurt, yeah, sorry. Hurt. Yeah, Hurts is a better quarterback. Purdy's obviously playing well enough to keep. You know, he had that little pumpkin stretch. He's back to Cinderella again. At least playing well enough. He's got the best supporting cast. Hertz has a really good supporting cast, but I feel like the Niners do have the better defense overall. Um, and yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is better than what I mean. I'm, I've been impressed with Swift's ability this year, mm-hmm. former Georgia running back, to stay healthy. But I do like the Niners. Chiefs favored by six at the Packers. I don't know. Do the Chiefs lose in December? I'm not sure if they've lost in December in the last mm. three years. Six, a lot of points. The Packers seem to have woken up a little bit. Jordan Love might be good. E, mm. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I, I, I can't make heads or tails of this game because it's going to be outside. The Chiefs are used to playing in cold weather. I assume it's going to be cold in Green Bay. 
close game. I just think the Chiefs are so much better. I think they're gonna be in the Super Bowl. Give me, give me the. You know what? I'm gonna go with my gut here. I don't know why I feel this way. Give me the Packers and the points. Mm-hmm. What say you, trainer? Sorry. Oh, no worries. I just threw um, up in my own mouth after saying that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the Packers, a bit of a house of cards, you know, a bit of like the who have they barely beaten. They beat the, we thought the Chargers were good enough to be a team to be like, oh, that's a feather in your cap for beating them. The Lions looked awful on Thanksgiving and the Lions are starting to kind of decline a bit, which is unfortunate because I, I want Detroit to be better. And I wanted to see Detroit in the NFC title game over the Niners or the Eagles if I had to watch the Cowboys, you know, lose in the second round for the 40th time in a row. Um, the Chiefs will cover. I feel like playing in Arrowhead, even though it is Lambeau, is a different type of cold. I feel like playing in December in Arrowhead is cold enough. It's going to be 35 degrees, apparently. That seems like something that Mahomes and the Chiefs offense can handle. So Chiefs Chiefs and six points. George, what say you, brother? Chiefs and points. I agree. No notes. <laughs> Broncos at Texans. Texans. Texans favored by three and a half. C.J. Stroud has not struggled. Let's not call it struggled, but he's not his excellent self of late. But I just don't see the Broncos continuing their success. I just love C.J. Stroud. I love Tank Dell. I love the story. I love D'Amico Ryans. Give me the Texans over the Broncos and the points. I don't even know if I say Um, those things right, honestly. I think the Texans are going to win by four. The Broncos have had a good stretch. uh, You're fine. The Broncos have had a good stretch of their five wins in a row. Only one of those has been on the road against a very underperforming Buffalo team. The rest have been at home. The Texans, they lost the Jags, their division rival last week. That was a huge game for the AFC South, which is actually not the worst division this year. We already know who that is, the NFC South. Um, The Texans have played pretty well on the road. And yeah, I think, uh, or sorry, played pretty well at home. So I'll go, I'll go Texans at home to cover. George. I'm actually going to take the Broncos on this one. Um, I think Russell Wilson can throw on the Texans secondary. And um, there you go. I think, I think he can do it. I think he's been uh, scampering a little better than he used to. And, yeah. He's definitely uh, yeah, doing he's that. Pull it off. Yeah, it's a wild card game. It's, maybe it's a wild card playoff game, so it's kind of a it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I think they can do it. I'm taking Broncos. Lions favored by four and a half at New Orleans. I'm gonna get off the New Orleans thing. I'm over it. I'm done. They're trash. Lions are the third or fourth best team in the NFC. The Lions are gonna beat the Saints like a drum. Trainer. Ouch. Is Derek Carr? Does he have a flat tire, or is or what's going on there? I might go slash his tires. Give me give me an insight. Is Jameis playing? Is Jameis starting? Do we know? No, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be Derek Carr. They're pretty committed to his, him and his contract. Oh man, the Lions look so bad on Thanksgiving. Um, on the road, the 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 Lions aren't great on the road. They're really only beating the Chiefs in the past five games. Is something to note. Um, at Baltimore, they got crushed. They won at Tampa though. That's a that's a long time ago. That's before Halloween. I'll, I'll you know what? I'll be I'll be a glass half full of the Saints. They'll cover. All right, all right, George. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think golf is going to have plenty of chances to move the ball downfield. I think the Lions are going <laughs> to yeah uh, 
they're going to win and they're going to cover. Bengals lost their starting quarterback, uh, Joe Burrow. They're at the Jags. Jags favored by eight and a half. That seems like a lot, but the Jags are rolling. I just don't think Josh Browning, former graduate, uh, not former graduate, is a graduate of Washington, is really going to be able to to do anything against the Jags. I, I think they got this all day. Jags by over a touchdown, eight and a half. Give me the Jags. I hate Trevor hmm. Lawrence, by the way. Just throw that out there. <laughs> just a thing. Just a what did he do? What did he do? He beat Alabama like a drum in the national championship. Just saying. Um, <laughs> that was Dabo. That was, Dab- like, that was, that was Ursay. Ursay built Lucas Oil. Dabo was the reason they won that game. I don't want to hear Lucas Oil Stadium's name again. Okay. Give me your pick, <laughs> trainer. Does Browning have el- eligibility to hit the transfer portal and go back to Washington when Michael Penix gets drafted? Maybe COVID year. You okay. never know. Uh, yeah, give me the yeah, give me the Jags. I like the Jags defense to get to Browning early and often. Um, that offense is trash. They're gonna stuff Mixon. There's I mean, they, he's not gonna be able to throw the ball to Jamar Chase. Yeah. George. Uh yeah, Trevor Lawrence is a uh, long haired hippie boy for sure. But Sunshine. Uh, he is already playing better in the NFL than I thought he was going to. I think he's on. Um I'm going to take the Jags. I don't know about the points, but I'll Ooh. definitely take the Jags. Ooh. Sorry. Quick stat. Trevor Lawrence, since being drafted, 42 games, 46 touchdowns, 29 interceptions, 18 wins. Mac Jones, since being drafted, 45 touchdowns, 32 interceptions, 18 wins. Overrated? Sunshine, are you <laughs> are you be. overrated? Well, th- I think the, the, the expectations, like the Patriot way and crap – is is what that how that plays out you know and how many losses can mac jones get credited for if he gets benched at halftime yeah i also feel like trevor lawrence has like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder whereas mac jones is just sort of you know i love mac jones don't get me wrong i think he's extremely talented but like yeah i agree i feel like trevor lawrence is you know he's almost like Trevor Lawrence is 21 going on 35, whereas Mac Jones is like 21 going on 22. All right, I'll follow. I feel like Trevor Lawrence, you know what I mean? I think Trevor Lawrence is already married with a kid at this point, honestly. Well, I feel like he gets hit in the chin strap and he just shakes it off and he's just like, all right, I'm going to go get him next time. Whereas Mac Jones gets hit in the chin strap and he's like, this is bull. And like I love Mac Jones. He's great Alabama quarterback. He'll go down in history as such. And he's got a long career in the NFL ahead of him, hopefully. Yeah. But I agree, today. I agree. And I think there's been today. Trevor Lawrence. Today, is, yeah, today Junior. Today, Junior. Yeah, no, I was gonna say there also has been a in recent weeks a development between our Alabama great and gambling great, Calvin Ridley. Trevor Lawrence and him have finally built a rapport late in the season. So I think that's going to keep connecting. All right. Browns in Los Angeles against the Rams. Rams favored by three and a half. When Matthew Stafford plays, they are good. Browns, I have no idea who's playing quarterback for the Browns. Honestly, this blows my mind. Three and a half points favorite Rams with a, you know, an AFC North like division, you know, yeah, they're competing for the AFC North, and they're they're dogs to the Rams on the road. But continue. Are we all about to agree on this? <laughs> give me no, give me the Rams and the points, dude. I think Matthew Stafford, when he's healthy, he's really good. I maybe his back's broken again. I don't know, but if he's playing, I think I think he yeah. is. Give me Rams and the points. George, you go ahead. 
Rams and points. Let's go three Rams in a row. Points. Let's do it. Rams and points. I mean, yeah, Browns. Well, the Browns did. They ran into, you know, Russell Wilson and, and Massey's boy, Sean Payton, on the road. That is tough. The Rams have gone through two games of beating the Seahawks, who the Cowboys just got in a victory formation, guys, and they won that game. Sick. Um, they finally beat a team over 500 or better. Congratulations. Or yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, quick plug for them. Uh, at Arizona, they played nobody. Oh, yeah. Give me the Browns. I think the defense steps up here. Sports fans, that's all the time we have for you. Thanks for sticking with us past the KHOL hour that we that we fill every Friday. You can catch us on KHOL Fridays 2 to 3 or here on the podcast at your convenience. All right, guys. George, got to thank you for uh, joining in on this championship weekend. Thank you. I always have a blast. This is awesome. Yeah, and trainer, my loyal co-host. Do you want to say World Series champion trainer? We appreciate you being here as well. All right, guys, (laughs) that's it. That's all.